Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're uh, in a season, um, a building season here at church. And uh, I just want to read a passage of scripture that's going to kind of talk on that theme. This is actually a parable that Jesus has just taught. And what we're reading right now is his explanation of it. Um, Mark chapter 4. Verse 13 is where we're going to start this morning. It says, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown in rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown um, on good ground. Hello, lost my spot here. What verse we on? Come on, somebody. Still others, like the seeds sown among the thorn. I was so ahead of myself. Hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. Can't miss choking the word. Making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil. That's the one I skipped to. Hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. I want to call uh, our message this morning, Build Your foundation. Build your foundation. Can we clap our hands once again? And you guys can be seated. So glad that you could be here. Every single person in the room, uh, to everyone watching online, we love you. We're so glad you could be here. Uh, My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. Just honored you guys could be here today. Um, As I said, we are uh, in a season of building. Uh, A few weeks ago, we we just uh, shared our vision for the year, and our vision is to build. We're believing that... um, In this crazy time for the last year and a half, it's been kind of crazy, and we're just saying, hey, God has called us this year to build. So this is kind of like a a series that we're in. This is really, I'd call it the start of the series, the building series, but we've been talking about building for three weeks already, Um, and today I'm going to talk all about foundations uh, and the foundations that God wants us to build. So uh, for those that know or don't know, uh, my wife and I, we have... Uh, two girls, twin girls that uh, are almost two years old, super cute girls, amazing girls, if you guys have seen them. Uh, and one thing that they like to do, uh, among other things, is play with blocks. Like you guys know like old school, like blocks that you just build. And uh, one thing with the girls is they play with the blocks, but they don't really play with the blocks how I want them to play with the blocks. Because uh, like they, they, they kind of have learned to build a little bit, but both of them just have this thing where they don't really want to build, they just want to break. And so they just like come and smack the tower. And like the first time that like the girls um, broke each other's tower, like I was really nervous because like one of them came over and just like smacked their tower down. And I thought they were going to cry, uh, but they didn't cry. And in turn, they've just realized they like to break towers. And so they just both break each other's towers back and forth. Now me, like a good father, um, I'm trying to like teach them lessons. With the blocks, right? And I'm, I'm trying to teach them, like, the importance of, like, a firm foundation. 
So I'm like, girls, like, we don't build on the carpet. We need like a flat surface. We need something that you can really, and like I'm showing them like you don't want to stack on one block. You want like four blocks to kind of build, like spread out the surface area, make it really stable. And uh, I hope this isn't a prelude to the future. They don't really care what I have to say. And all they try to do is tear down the tower every single time. And that's what they love to do. Um, But the reason I'm telling you guys this story is because I want to talk today all about foundations. And I think that at the end of the day, we as people, all that we have are the foundations that we build. And at the very end of the day, if we build our life on a shaky foundation, when the storms of life come, come on somebody, we're going to crumble. And I just, I just felt like for the last year and a half, maybe you guys have felt like you're trying to build something and you have like two-year-old girls trying to tear your life apart. Like metaphorically speaking, anyone feel that? It's like I'm trying to move forward, I'm trying to build some stuff, but I just keep getting smacked back down. And I just think that the girls are kind of an illustration for life because I think as much as we try to build, there's always going to be something trying to tear us down. And so what that means is that the foundations that we have are of the utmost importance. Because when the winds of life come, when the storms of life come, all we have is our foundation. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how we can build a firm foundation. Over the next number of weeks, I'm talking a lot about building. I'm going to talk about building your future, building a vision, building a better worldview, all of these things. And I encourage you to be here. But at the very end of the day, all of those things that we try to build are actually irrelevant if we don't have a firm foundation. And what Jesus is going to do today, we're going to look at a parable that he taught And really what we're going to see in this parable is what happens when you have a firm foundation or not. Now, if you're new to the Bible, one of the ways that Jesus teaches um, is through these things called parables. And what a parable is, it's a fictional story that brings forth a very real-life application. And Jesus often taught in parables, um, but this parable is different than any of Jesus' other parables, um, or at least most of his parables, because generally speaking, Jesus and otherwise, when a parable is told, it kind of just ends, right? Like mic drop, right? Like tortoise in the hair. Like no one explains it, it just ends. You figured out yourself. This parable is different because Jesus actually explains the parable. And so what that means is he leaves us with absolutely no um, question about what he's talking about. So what I want to do today is I want to go through this parable and I want to look um, at some lessons we can learn about building a foundation. So before we get to the explanation, I want to read the parable. Can I read the parable? Okay, Mark chapter 4, if you guys are following along, um, in your Bibles, that's where we are today. If, if you, you want to watch it on the screen, it's on the screen as well. Um, this parable is actually told in three of the four Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke um, all tell this parable, uh, and they're all very similar. I just chose Mark for no apparent reason other than I decided to. So uh, if you look in your Bible, it's in there a few times. Mark is where we're reading today. Mark chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Jesus taught them many things by parable, and in his teachings he said, listen, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, 
grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And maybe you guys are sitting there today thinking like, I don't know if I have ears to hear, Jesus, because I don't really know what's going on. Um, So I want to break this down. Can I break it down for us? Um, I'm going to have some visual things because I think that's going to help you. And really what I want you to see today, uh, this is not even so much going to be like a sermon, but it's more like a Bible study uh, because I really want to break this down and study some things. So there's a couple characters. If you want to take notes, this might help to to keep your mind. So um, Jesus talks about the seed. Right? The seeds that are sown. Now, the seeds represent the people. Seeds of the people. We're the people. Right? Um, and then there's the soil in which the seed falls. So the soil or the ground is a representation of the foundation. The foundation that the people build upon. So the seed is the people. The soil is the foundation. Does that make sense? And so really what we're going to see is the people grow differently based on the foundation in which they drop. So there's four foundations. I have them on the screen um, just so you can kind of see where we're going. So number one, the first foundation is the path. Number two is the rocky soil. Number three is the thorny soil. And number four is the good soil. And as we're going to see, depending on what ground or what soil the seed falls in, determines how it grows. Now, if you follow Jesus, and if you're here today and you follow Jesus, the temptation is to believe, well, if I follow Jesus, I must be on good soil. Like, I'm here today, I must be in the good soil. But really what I want to do is we go through this, this, this message, and like I said, I'm kind of just going to be reading it and, and taking things out. I want us, every single one of us, to do a deep reflection and ask ourselves openly and honestly this question, what kind of a foundation am I building my life on? What kind of a foundation am I building my life on? So really, this is kind of going to be a self-reflection message. I'm going to read the parable. I'm going to describe what a person might look like that falls on that certain ground. And then we can ask ourselves the question, what kind of a foundation is my life built on? Does that make sense? So it's going to be kind of simple, a little bit different than how I usually do things. Um, But Mark chapter 4, continuing. We read the parable. Now Jesus explains the parable. Mark 4, 13, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Because the disciples are like, I don't really get it. Like, what's up? Um, then he says, uh, how then will you understand any parable? Jesus flexed in. He's like, this wasn't that confusing. <laughs> Nevertheless, the farmer, he said, sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown into them. So what he's saying, he's saying there's a, there's a word, or there's a message that is, that is given to the people. Now you need to understand the message that Jesus is talking about is what we in church call the gospel. Now the gospel is just a fancy word for good news. And the good news of Jesus is this. Can I tell you the good news? The Bible says that each and every one of us has been separated from God because of our sinfulness, because of our humanity. And the truth is God is holy, God is righteous, God is just, and God is perfect. And so what that means is you, who are none of those things, actually cannot come into the presence of God. However, what Jesus did when he came to earth, he came and he took on humanity, he took on the flesh of people, and on the cross, the Bible lets us know that Jesus actually took on the weight of sin. And he died for each and every one of us. 
that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so what that means, the Bible lets us know, is that when God sees us, if we are in Christ, he does not see our brokenness. He does not see our imperfections. All he sees is the sacrifice of Jesus. And that means you're good. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, I need to make a distinguish because a lot of people that come to church, they don't realize that it's good news. They think it's good advice. And maybe you grew up and all you heard was good advice. Don't do this. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. But the, that, that, that's not advice. That's, that, that's, that's advice, I should say. That's not news. Advice says this is what you should do. News says this is what has been done. And what has been done is that Jesus finished the work on the cross. And all we have to do is by faith believe that. And so that's the message. You guys understand the message? I'm giving you the brief overview of the message. But what Jesus says, and you need to understand this, for every single soil, every single foundation, the message is the same. But what happens is based on the, the foundation that is built, it's how the message will actually begin to take and how the message will grow. And so the first soil we just read, I think it's on the screen still, is the worst soil because it falls on the path. So I'm going to kind of give you a visual illustration of what Jesus says happens to the first seed. So the first seed, what happens, it falls on the path. And the path is literally like, a, like think of a sidewalk. And so you can imagine a seed that's thrown on a sidewalk. There's no soil. And so there's no soil. Nothing happens to it. It's just a seed. And so the seed is exposed. And what Jesus says is Satan comes and scoops it up. This is the first foundation which essentially is no foundation. Now, if you're sitting here today and you've been in church for a long time, I've got good news for you. This is probably not you. If you're new to church today, this could be you. Now, th th this particular person that Jesus is describing, um, we've unfortunately seen this person so many times over the course of our history here at Kingdom Church. And, and I'll tell you what happens. We, we kind of have this thing where we actually believe that Jesus makes a difference. And so we encourage people, hey, if Jesus is who he says he is, we need to spread the message. We've got to invite people. And over the, the history of our three years, we've had people come to church. And we've had certain people come to church. They love it. They accept Jesus. They get baptized. Amazing. Get connected. So good. But we've also had people, like literal answers to prayer, come to church. And it's like, yes, they came, hallelujah, thank goodness. And you're like, they're sitting beside you, and you're like, it's the best day of your life, and you think it's going to be amazing, because they're here, and they never come back. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can, you can nod. Has anyone experienced that before? It's like, they were here, I thought we had them, but they never came back. Like, what, what happened? You see, what Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, it's, they fall on a pathway, right? And the pathway is hard. And so for people, specifically non-believers or new believers, they can come to places like this or, 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 or things of such, and they can hear the word of God. They can hear this life-changing message. But what Jesus says, when they leave this place, they have absolutely nothing that will help it take root. And so maybe they leave this place, and it's not even nothingness. They might go back to a home that is actually in opposition to God. Oh, you went to church today, hey? Must have been fun talking about Santa Claus. Or they go to work and life just gets busy or they get caught up in the social media algorithm. And the seed doesn't take. Now, maybe you're saying to yourself, man, this kind of seems like depressing. 
right? They just get scooped up by Satan. But I want us to understand something. I don't believe that Jesus is telling us this parable to scare us. I think he's telling us this parable to prepare us. So I want you to understand something. If you're new today and you're like, oh my gosh, or you're a new believer, like, I don't want to get scooped up. I don't want Satan to snatch me. Guess what? You picked the best day to come to church. Because if we know what's going to happen, come on, somebody, we don't have to be scared. We can actually be prepared. And so, listen, if you're new to church, new believer, new in your journey, here's a couple uh, just low-hanging things that you can do. Get connected. After service, fill out a connect card. Super, super simple. Then we, we can at least get to know you. So when you leave this place, you don't have to feel like I'm going onto a journey alone. Um, you can come to Growth Track. Growth Track's a four-week course designed to help you discover your purpose and help you get connected. It's week one today, perfect day. It's almost like I planned that. Come today, get connected. Because if you know what's coming, you can be prepared. Now, for every other person, you're like, hey, it's not me. Thank goodness I've been in church for a while. <laughs> if you're inviting people to church, and I want to encourage you, if Jesus is who he says he is, we should always be inviting people to church. But if you're going to invite people, if you're going to ask people to be here, you at least let, you need to know what they're getting into. And so what if now, knowing what we know, that if someone comes here and a word is deposited, the enemy's going to come and try to snatch them up. What if we began to say, hey, I'm going to actually have an action plan. So when I invite someone to church, I'm going to invite them here on the weekend, but I'm going to go hang out with them on Monday. I'm going to help that seed get rooted. Because I know the moment that they leave this place, Satan's coming to snatch them up. That's just, I know that when they leave this place, they have absolutely no one in their life they can talk about God. No one they can talk about the message with. And so I'm going to be that person. And so I just began to think this week, what if we actually got rid of the language of inviting people to church? And what if we began to say, I'm going to actually choose to invest in people's lives? That, that's a much better way to go about it. I'm not just going to invite, I'm going to invest. How many guys invest money? If you don't, you should start. It's a great practice. But like, listen, my brother does my finances, and he's my brother, and I trust him. But guess what? I'm invested. So that means I still check on it myself. Just got to make sure he's not going to Hawaii or something like that. Got to make sure I get my guaranteed 7%. Invest. But you guys see what I'm saying? Like, when you're invested in something, you don't just leave it be. Well, I invited them. They came. The rest is in God's hand. No, Jesus told you what's up. And you need to understand, the Bible says that the enemy is, is prowling. He's a roaring lion just waiting to come to snatch and to devour. And so before the people came here, the devil didn't really care about them. He's like, oh, they're good. They just watched Netflix all day. I don't need to worry about them, but the moment they come here and the moment they hear the gospel, he realizes, oh my gosh, that gospel message could change everything. So I'm going to do everything to throw them off path. And so you need to understand when you invite someone here and you don't follow up, you're kind of a jerk because you're throwing them into the wolves. You invited them here, but you also invited the devil into their life. And I know you've experienced, I've experienced this so many times. I invite people to church, and then the next week, something weird happens to them. 
It's like, you wouldn't believe it. I got in an accident. You wouldn't believe it. We lost all this money. Like, what happened? Jesus says the enemy comes and tries to snatch them up. And so if we can begin to invest in people, if we can begin to say, I actually owe it to you to walk with you, man, I think the foundations could begin to get built in a lot of people. And so Jesus lets us know that's the first soil, not to scare us, but to prepare us and to get us into the reality of the fight. So uh, that's just the first soil. Can I, can, I, can I talk about the second soil? All right, first soil, again, we're reflecting. What, what am I building my life on? What does my life look like? Mark chapter 4, 16, it says, Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So let's look at this one again. So what we have is rocky soil. And so these guys hear it, and there's actually some soil there. So they receive the word with joy. They're excited. They're pumped. I love Jesus. I love church. I love the message. But it says, because they have no roots, they fall away. Now, I believe that this one is so relevant for two groups of people. I think this is so relevant right now for our culture that we live in. So that's people that are starting to come to church in 2019, 2020, 21. But I also think this one is super relevant for people that grow up in church. You guys know this story. Parents, you guys know this story. It's like, man, my kids, like I did all the right thing. Like they grew up in church. They used to love it. They went to camp every summer. They were in Sunday school. Like they were, they were in, they just, they used to love it. But then something happens like around high school college just like they don't love it anymore and they begin to fall away now that that's the first people and i'll, I'll explain that in a second um, the second people and there's really three people so many different type of people we're trying to again reflect but i kind of have a thing um, when we do growth track and i told andrell this because he teaches growth track i said listen you got to be aware of the people that are too excited because it <laughs> some people just come like too excited like I had, I had this couple come not a word of a lie they were like Harrison like this is our first time here um, this is our church like this this is our church then he's like then he's like, he's like Harrison I, I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way um, he's like but I think you actually could be one of the greats and I was like what does that even mean <laughs> he's like this is the best this is our church and I told Andrell the story, and I said, Drell, watch it. It ain't coming back. Never came back. Why? Well, Jesus kind of lets you know what's up. But they, so I always, I always say, be careful about those who are too excited. But um, that's just, that's just kind of one thing. Basically, um, I'm trying to paint a picture um, because short is relative, right? It's not just one day or one week. I think any person that does not finish the journey with Jesus falls short. So it could be one week, one month. It could be 18 years. But the truth is they fall away. And, and, and Jesus is very specific, specific about why they fall away. And I'll tell you why I think this is so relevant for people that grow up in church. But it's also relevant for our culture today. Jesus says the reason they leave is because when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
So, so this one's interesting. The issue isn't the devil with this one. The devil's chilling, doing his thing. The issue with this is other people, and most specifically the word of God. There is actually something about the message of Jesus that pushes them away, that causes them to fall away. Now, I want you to understand this. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, it's multifaceted. And what we do as Christians, if you consider yourself a Christian, is you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You guys have heard that before? Like, I just got to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, one thing I have found is that most people, people for the most part, they don't mind the idea of Jesus as Savior, right? Because it's like, yes, he's rescued me from my sins. He saved me, died on the cross. He loves me. I am who he says he is. Yes, this is, this is awesome. So I don't, I don't mind Jesus as Savior. But the issue that most people have is they don't really like Jesus as Lord. Because you want to know what it means if Jesus is your Lord? Lord or Lordship, it's really just a, 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 a way of saying who is in control. And maybe you guys are self-aware enough to know this, but for the most part, do you want to know who we want to be in control of our lives? Us. I want to be in control. I'll take a Savior. I don't need a Lord. I'm Lord. But you need to understand what it says. It says that when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of the message, they quickly fall away. Because you need to understand two things will happen when you actually make Jesus Lord of your life. Number one, it will contrast what you want to do. You need to understand this. If I follow Jesus, I won't always get to do what I want to do. And that can be hard. Because a lot of us are like, wait a second, like I turned 18 for a reason. To do what I want to do. Like I'm in charge. If Jesus is Lord of your life, it will contrast what I actually want to do. Number two, this is a big one. If Jesus is Lord of my life, it's going to contrast what the world around me says I should do. We don't like that one as much. So, so let me understand something, because maybe you're saying to yourself, well, is, is this me? Um, if you have never had an internal or an external conflict because you follow Jesus, you are not actually following Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time. It kind of hurts. If you have never had internal conflict or external conflict, because you follow Jesus, you don't actually follow Jesus. Because the moment you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he is going to begin to get you to do things you do not want to do. Personally speaking, one thing the Lord always makes me do, I don't really like it, is apologize. I don't want to apologize. How many of you guys want to admit you're wrong? But time and time again, Jesus is like, hey, FaceTime. Just go FaceTime them. You got to apologize. I'm like, no, they're wrong. And he's like, no, you're wrong. Go apologize. I don't want to do it. But then he just says, hey, who's Lord of your life? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I should apologize. That's just that's just one example. But when I follow Jesus, there's going to be so many things that he gets me to do. that are going to push back against what I actually want to do. Now, here's the second one. I want you to know this. I don't want anyone to be unprepared. If you follow Jesus... The way of Jesus is vastly different than the way of culture. 
I said, the way of Jesus is vastly different than the way of culture. <laughs> the way that Jesus talks about money is vastly different than the way that culture talks about money. I need you to understand something. You might not like this, but when Jesus talks about generosity, he never talks about it as an option. It's, it's actually a, a, a lifestyle if you follow Jesus. Vastly different. The way that Jesus talks about sexuality vastly different in the way that culture talks about sexuality. The way that Jesus talks about treating people, ethics, vastly different than the way that the world talks about things. And so what Jesus says is that one of the reasons that people will receive the message with joy is because like, I love, I love Savior, yes. But then when Jesus talks about sexuality, it's like, hold on, partner. And so it says they fall away because they have no roots. And what that means is not to say they don't understand and they don't hear. Like I, and a lot of people grow up in church, I hear things, I know things. But what I meant to say is they don't actually understand things. They don't have a deeper understanding for the way, because you need to understand. And I want to encourage you to come back next week because I'm really going to break this down. But to have a worldview that is all about Jesus, the one thing that you'll find is that Jesus is not arbitrary. What arbitrary means is that there's no meaning. You see, a lot of people think that Jesus has ethics on whatever it may be for no reason. And the truth is, a lot of people grow up in church and their parents say things like, you have to do this. Why? Jesus says so. The Bible says. And for a lot of people, that causes conflict because it's like, well, that's not what the world says. That's not what I feel. And so they have no roots. And so... Again, come back next week because I want to help develop some, some more roots for people. But one of the things that Jesus is saying, and again, we're talking about solutions. What's the solution to this? The solution is to get rooted. The solution is to understand things at a deeper level. One of the things, we had summer interns this year, and one of my, my, my hopes with the interns was I was wanting to show them as many hard things in the Bible as I possibly could. Anything that they could ever get thrown off by someone, I was going to show it to them. And I would do role playing. And I would say, all right, listen, I'm skeptical Sam. And I would say, you need to convince me to be a Christian. You need to convince me the Bible is real. Me and Chase did it this week. By the end, he's like, I don't like skeptical Sam. <laughs> he asks hard questions. Because I never let them stay on the surface. I'm like, listen, if you can't convince me, you're not going to convince someone else. And so there's this whole thing where it's like, I'm a Christian, but I'm deconstructing. I had a belief where it's like, I'm going to deconstruct them before anyone else does. I'm going to find the heart. And, and I just, I just I found this in my own life. There's actually solutions to hard things in the Bible. There's actually reasons Jesus tells us to do certain things. But for so many people, we stay on the surface and we never get rooted. And so what Jesus says is that they fall away because they can't handle the external or the internal pressure. It's like, man, but look what TikTok says. How can I be a Christian? So two things, two solutions for this one. Number one, come back next week. Because I'm going I'm to really dig into this idea of, of our worldview. Um, but number two, join a kingdom crew. And, and groups are, are literally designed to have small pockets of people that I can talk to and ask questions with. Because so many people struggle alone. <laughs> Just go to Google. 
Oh, maybe Google will help me. But what we need is community that we can ask questions, that we can begin to get rooted. Because far too many times as Christians, we settle for shallow. And it won't last, especially in our culture today. It just won't last. So again, examine our lives. What kind of foundation am I building on? So those are the first two. Everything making sense so far? Here's the third one. Mark chapter 4, 18, it says, Still others... Like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in, choke the word, and make it unfruitful. So, one more time, thorny soil. What the thorny soil produces is the wrong desires, the deceitfulness of wealth, all of these things, and the the wrong desires inevitably choke the word making it unfruitful. Now, this is just my opinion. You can take it for what it is, um, but I think that this is the most tragic soil of all. And I'll tell you why. You see, in the first two soils, well, the first one really a path, not much of a soil. But in the first two, it talks about getting sniped up, taken away. Inevitably, they leave God. They leave church, they leave Christianity, whatever you want to say. But this soil talks nothing about anyone following, falling away. All it says is this person is unfruitful. Now, I want to tell you why this is tragic, because I think this is what this person looks like. I think this is a person that comes to church every single week. I think this is a person that maybe even serves. They might even be part of a small group. And so they're in the right place. And, and heck, I'll say this. This person might even be saved. You'll see them in heaven. Some of you guys are like, well, Harrison, if the person is saved, if I'm seeing them in heaven, how can it be a tragedy? You need to understand something. The call that God has for our lives is not simply for us to get to heaven. If Jesus wanted you to be in heaven, you'd be there. I guarantee you that. But the truth is, Jesus has a plan and he has a purpose for each and every one of us. And he has something for us to do. And the kingdom of heaven begins here and now. And I think, just come on. And so this person, you need to understand, thinks they're okay. I'm in church, bro. Set up chairs this morning. What you mean? But what it says, it says the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and make it unfruitful. And so what this person looks like is even though they're in the right place, they're never looking at the right thing. (laughs) They're here at church, but they're checking the stock market. They're serving, but they're worrying about tomorrow. Worrying about the deceitfulness of life. What's going to cause me worries today? And they're constantly chasing. This person is chasing and chasing and chasing, hoping to find them something that will bring them contentment. And the greatest tragedy of all is they're in the places where contentment is found, but they're never looking at the proper thing. It's the worries of life, the perception that people have of me, or do I have enough money? You see, all of us, have, I believe, a God-given potential. 
The Bible lets us know that we are created in his image. A number of weeks back, I said that I believe one of the, the, the things that it means to be created in the image of God means that just like God, we have creative potential. We have potential to create beauty and art and culture. And we literally have the song that we sing, Jesus has given us authority. He says, all authority I give to you. I want you to, to, to do something with your life, but we get so caught up looking at the wrong things. And the greatest tragedy of being created in the image of God is that so many of us will never live up to the potential that God has for us. It's like I had the opportunity like a couple weeks back um, to drive a really, really fast car. And um, like fastest car I've ever driven. And I was driving with my brother-in-law, Kyle. He was riding shotgun with his hair undone in the front seat of the car. Um, <laughs> and we were driving and what he said because um, it was just a really fast car. He was like, hey, you have to be careful because like, when a car is this fast, he's like, you can just quickly go over 50, like 50 over the speed limit in a second and you won't even notice. And your license will get taken in a second. And as soon as he said that, my joy was gone. <laughs> and so it, it was a really weird experience because I was driving in this car that had potential like I've never experienced before but the entire time I'm just looking around. What's the speed limit? Hope there isn't a cop lurking right there. And I could never experience the full potential of the car. And I just began to wonder this week, how many times is God looking down on us? And he's like, man, they don't even know the potential that they have. Because so many of us, instead of using all that God has given us, we're looking around. And it's a metaphor, so I'm not telling you to speed. But we're just looking around and, at other people, looking around at what we, what we wish we had, and we're never fruitful. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that one of the main things that this parable talks about, and really that Jesus talks about in general, is this idea of greed. I say it all the time, if you don't think you're greedy, you're fooling yourself. Every single one of us is greedy. It is inherent in our fallen nature. And so I've been telling us to examine the soil. And one of the things that you can do in this soil to make sure that this isn't you, make sure that you are not unfruitful, is to give. One of the practices that the Bible teaches is the principle of tithing. Now, if you've never tithed before, it's to give the first 10% of your income. And I always tell people, if you've never given before, start small if you have to. But you need to give constantly and continually. Do you want to know why? Because you are constantly and continually greedy. And so if I do not constantly and continually combat against that greed, I'll be looking the wrong direction. I won't even know it. And the reason that Jesus talks so much about money and so much about greed is because what he says, he says where your heart is, where your treasures are, your heart is. And so meaning if I'm greedy with my money, chances are I'm greedy in other places in my life. If I put my wrong amount of priority and focus on wealth, I'm going to have the wrong priorities in other areas of my life. And suddenly it'll become harder to seek first Jesus and his kingdom. And so Jesus is actually giving us tools to help us be fruitful. And so one thing that you can do if you are constantly looking at the wrong things is be generous. Give generously with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. 
I'll tell you one way you're greedy, you may not know it, you're always late. If you are always late, you are greedy. Because your time is more important to you than anyone else's. And so Jesus says, give. Jesus gives us these things so we can actually live fruitful lives. Because I need us to understand this, one of the greatest lies the enemy has for us is this belief that God just wants to get us to heaven. God wants us to be fruitful here and now. Okay, last seed, because this study's going long. Mark chapter four, verse 20. It says, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So last one, good soil, hear the word, accept it, and they produce. They're fruitful. Now, this one's interesting because this is the last soil. This is the good soil. This is the soil we want to be in, yet we learn the least from it. It's just like, yeah, it's good. It was good. And they produce. But I think Jesus is very intentional because I believe the truth is from the bad soils, we can begin to learn lessons that will actually put our life in good soil. If we can take the lessons from the bad, we can begin to build a good foundation. Come on, let's think about it. Going back to the first soil. If I'm new, what do I need to do? I need to put myself in community. I need people around me that can support me. They can help tenderize the soil of my life. For those of us that know those people, can I tell you one of the best ways to come closer to Jesus? Walk with someone else. Disciple someone else. So when we walk with these people, you will in turn get closer to Jesus. And you will begin excuse me, to build a firm foundation. We look at the second soil. It's saying their roots are shallow. They, they love the idea of Jesus, but they don't love it as Lord. You want to last long, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Begin to believe everything that he has of me, whatever he is calling me to do, be it to forgive, be it to love, be it to give. Be it to stand out, he's doing it because he knows what is best. And so when I truly make Jesus Lord and Savior, when I'm not just living on emotions, I can begin to develop a firm foundation. And finally, with the third soil, if I can begin to focus on Jesus, if I can focus on his word, if I can focus on what he says, not what people around me are saying, not not the, the signs around me, but what he has for me, I can begin to be fruitful. And so when when I take those three bad soils and I get to the good soil, what I begin to realize is I don't think anyone just gets thrown on the good soil. It's not a matter of chance. Like, hey, whatever happens, hopefully you find good soil. Talk to you later. It's intentional. It's a building of our life. It's a building of a foundation where we can actually be long-lasting. So Kim, can, can you just come up here and play some keys. We're going to wrap this thing up. Really, what I want us to take from this parable, I want us to examine again what kind of a foundation is my life being built on. But I also want to make a call to discipleship. And the call to discipleship 
is the call to love people. It's the call to invest into people. It's a call to make a difference in people's life. And so the question I want to ask is, am I following Jesus? Because to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior is not to just take what he has for me, but it's to put into practice what he has called me to do. To love people, to invest in people, to make disciples. If you've been coming to church for a long time, I want to ask you a simple question. What's your mindset? Am I here to consume or am I here to produce? Am I here to make a difference? Am I here to build a foundation? And so really when I read this parable, again, Jesus says some produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. I realized if I can build a firm foundation, if I can take into practice the words of Jesus, I can actually begin to build a legacy. Now, a lot of us, I don't think, think about legacy. We think more about the moment and what's happening today. But legacy asks the question, what am I going to leave behind? What am I going to leave behind? God has not called any of us in this place to leave behind a life that was all about us, all about me. So I want to make a challenge today as we just really start this building season can we begin to build a foundation? Whatever it is, wherever you felt like you found yourself on that scale going through this parable, can we put into practice the things that we need to do that's gonna help us build a foundation? Let's just stand for a second, church. I wanna pray for us. Jesus, I just pray for all of us in this place as we just begin to evaluate our foundation we begin to ask the question what am I what is my life built on God I pray that you open our eyes to see what we need to see God help us to put into practice the things that we need to put into practice Lord I pray today that anyone that feels disconnected anyone that is worried about the the soil of their life God I pray today they get connected I pray today they reach out Jesus And I just thank you so much for what you're doing. I thank you so much for this word, Lord, that uh, we can just begin to build today. So we thank you, God, for what you're doing and what you're continuing to do in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.